Outside the Tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. (laughs) And we're back. There's a lot of enthusiasm. I'm Joe. New week, new episode, Trophy Smack, Dax Holt, Matt Walsh, Season 12, Episode 9, air date of January 8th, 2021. Very recent. Very recent. These guys are doing some some great stuff, though. Uh, 600000 for 8% is the ask. Yep. All right. Uh, they make custom fantasy football, fantasy sports, trophies and belts, You know, they're getting into corporate stuff where you buy a championship belt for someone or a trophy. Uh, Really, really cool stuff. Great manufacturing, uh, which we'll we'll get into. Um, They put $250,000 into the business. Their average um, order is about $150 to $160. Right. They're making an 80% margin on it. Uh, They went into Shark Tank looking for a strategic partner or partners. Um, year one of being in business, which was 2018, did 850000 of revenue uh, with a $200,000 profit, which I, th- that's awesome. Yeah, it really is. I mean, out of nowhere to create this. I mean, certainly, you know, in, in a lot of ways created this category um, big time. And then year two, $1.9 million of revenue, $775,000 profit, um, just crazy. So these guys are doing a fantastic job. Really exciting to see where they're going. We'll get into the interview in a minute, but what happened with the Sharks? Yeah, the numbers raised some eyebrows, I think, uh, pleasantly, the 1.9 and the uh, gross profit margin. Uh, But the perception of the Sharks is that uh, they were just there to try to to bag Mark Cuban. That was the perception. Uh, Mr. Wonderful Kevin offered. um, There was an offer from Cuban as well. Damon went out pretty fast because sports is just not his thing, his category, but they went with Cuban. So they got the they, they shark they got wanted. got the shark they wanted. All right. Well, let's get into our interview. Matt and Dax, great entrepreneurs, great interview. Uh, let's get into it. All right. We're here with Dax and Matt of Trophy Smack. Fellas, welcome to Outside the Tank. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you. Got a bunch of stuff to cover. You guys were, you know, recently on Shark Tank and man, can't wait to, to get into the business and you guys are, looks like you're killing it. So uh, there's probably going to be some great lessons here to learn. So let's, let's start at the beginning. Where does the idea for the business come from? What year is it? What prompted you guys to, to get together and build this thing? Yeah, man. So, I mean, the idea happened in the, the most organic way, right? I had my credit card out. I knew what I wanted, right? The vision was in my head. I was, I was the new guy in, in Dax's fantasy league with all of our dad friends. I'd actually never played fantasy football before. It was something that I avoided my whole life. I, I, I know about myself that I have an addictive personality and anything that I do, I just take too far. I take it over the top. So <laughs> high school, college, I just avoided it. And I thought this time would be different. I got Dax here. We have kids. Our kids are friends. This 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 will be you know, the you know we'll have we'll have the gloves on. But first Sunday watching football after playing fantasy, I mean everything changed. So this was four years ago. Was it four, four years four. ago? First yeah. first first year playing fantasy football. Four years ago, made it to my made it to the finals in the in the fir- my first season playing, and I just thought, man. I've never played before. These guys have been get, been together for, for eight years. I've got to do something over the top. <laughs> Credit cards out. I want to buy a big trophy. I want to buy a six-foot trophy. I want to ride it like a pony walking into the room with these guys, these chumps <laughs> that I just destroyed. And 
you know, I, I know a thing or two about e-commerce. I've got a background in e-commerce and supply chain. And I just couldn't believe that every result was kind of the same thing, right? Every trophy looked kind of the same. It had that same sort of quintessential trophy look. Um, the biggest trophy I could find was 15 inches and it was 150 bucks. There wasn't even free shipping. I'm thinking, man, this, this is crazy. So I kind of joking with the guys and said, Hey guys, like, just want to let you know, I won the bias six for trophy. The intentions were to just, you know, uh, um, make just shame all you guys. But since I can't find it, I'm going to have to start. I'm going to have to start. And also let's now. mention he didn't actually win that year yeah. too. So let's throw that in there. That's By the way, the six foot trophy, was this going to be a perpetual trophy that was passed on? Was that the idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we ended up making it is basically what it comes oh, down to. Oh, look at that. For the, the, the league name here, it holds 19 years. This is the dream, man. This was an idea. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Can't put it in the screen. <laughs> so we made it a reality. And so you were looking at every trophy house online saying this is just ripe for some kind of disruption. This kind of sucks. It was just like the, the fact that uh, you got to realize about fantasy sports is the whole thing is about smack talking. It's about rubbing it in your friend's face. It's about the winners gloating, the losers being, you know, shamed in public. And so for, for Matt to go on and be like, I can't find that. And he started talking to us and was like, what do you mean you can't find that? That's, that's the best part about fantasy football. And so once we started discussing, I mean, like the floodgates started to open with all these ideas that were flowing out. And we were like, let's go and make the craziest thing you've made. I think our first topper we started talking about was the pooping unicorn. And it was a, a <laughs> rainbow pooping unicorn. And we're like, you know, we got to make something crazy like this. And it was like, and we made it a reality within a couple of months. It was really fun. So, I mean, obviously there wasn't much competition, but if there was any competition four years ago, was it your local trophy shop that made youth soccer trophies and dipped them in that, you know, gold shit? Yeah. <laughs> that's like what I got growing up, right? Like that, that's college. Yeah. You got it. So that, that was the thing. It was like, I mean, the competition really was, um, you know, is brand new it's never been done before so our competition was the barrier to entry and what we found is there is a reason why no one has done this because a large assembled trophy shipping that across the country shipping that anywhere in the country there, there's there's a reason why no one's really trying to do that right so there is sort of the so so not only was fantasy football like that entry point in terms of the light bulb moment but once we started researching the trophy industry you mentioned the local trophy shops right they do that assembly right there, right? They've got the hologram columns, they assemble it there and you buy it. The way that pretty much all trophies have ever been assembled, it doesn't have e-commerce in mind, right? This has existed for decades and decades and decades. It doesn't even have shipping in mind. It's like, yeah, yeah. The process is horrible. You can't, you can't really ship that. So that was our biggest competition. And it's funny when the idea came up and Dax and I are talking more and more about it, I went out and I bought Matthew Berry's book fantasy life and chapter 10 is titled trophies and i remember i bunny eared it i gave it to dax and all of the trophies in the book were all homemade it was all you know they, they spend all this time well, one of the guys in the league was a woodworker like and we don't you know not everyone has that luxury not everyone has that much time to to make their own so our competition was the way things were and that's not, not buying something cool online i mean there's people looking but there wasn't anyone serving it. So it was really just the iterations of how trophies are built, disrupting the way things have always been done. And that was, um, you know, that was the barrier to entry that, that we ultimately invested all of our time and energy in developing that. So year one, you do 850 grand of trophies and belts. How in the hell did you do that? And, you know, what do you attribute it to? How'd you get the word out of there and go from zero to 850? <laughs> Can you see the bags in my eyes? I haven't slept three years. And the gray hair that's coming yeah. out on the side. Now, it, it was a heavy lift. And, you know, uh, when we talk about starting this business, like we've got all of the reason to believe it'll be big, but it's like, okay, we're investing a lot of money into doing something that's never been done before. We're investing a lot of time. Our competition can go and buy... 10 trophies that are generic, sell 10 and buy 10 more, you know, we're buying 10,000, we're buying containers worth. So 
our first container, I mean, all the time in the design process and the iterations and getting the samples, first container shows up on my driveway. My wife walks out, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> our first engraver was in Dax's garage. I mean, I was the first engraver. Yeah, Dax is engraving in a summer. In a summer, it's like a 110-inch garage. I mean, we're doing what we need to do to figure out what we need to change and how big the opportunity is. And, and that first draft season, the July, the August, as people are getting ready for, you know, for fantasy season to start, and we sold out of everything we were in a matter of weeks. Yeah. How'd you get the word out? We were doing just your basic, uh, you know, um, search engine marketing. So uh, we've got Facebook ads, we've got Google ads. Um, it was all pay-per-click. So with pay-per-click as a startup, you really have the advantage of a few hundred dollars to test what works and what doesn't work. If it doesn't work, you turn it off. If some keywords were like obviously fantasy football trophy, that search term in Google, that's, you know, that's easy, right? So that was ramping up. And then um, Dax has got, you know, his, his background is in um, celebrity news. So he's got a great network. We got picked up by, um, you know, some publications early on. So, you know, that really helps kind of skyrocket the awareness. Dax, did you work for TMZ? Because you kind of mentioned that on the pitch, but what was the connection there? Oh, yeah. I was there for 12 years. <laughs> I, I was one of their main on-air reporters there kind of from the very beginning. That's where I saw it because we were watching my wife and I, that's where I know you from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was there for like since the beginning of TMZ and then I left back in 2016 and it was like right after I left is when Matt was like, hey, let, let's do this. Let's let's create these fantasy football trophies. And I'm like, well, I've got time. I got a lot of time on my hands. So that's kind of, you know, was the was next the, career step. So yeah, it was the best transition. I mean, this story is great. Max is <laughs> in this cushy job. He's interviewing celebrities and he transitions into engraving in his garage at 110 degrees, just sweating. I mean, in the beginning of any startup, right? It's like cash is flowing out, not in. Yeah. So it was... It was it was pretty humorous to, to see that transition. <laughs> well, you net, I mean the the eight hundred fifty thousand you did in sales, you netted two hundred thousand. I remember you saying on air that you piled all that two hundred thousand went right back into inventory. So you didn't you probably didn't pay yourselves year one. That, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't definitely we, we sat down and talked about okay guys like we're not making any money just yeah. so you know like the company's doing well. We. <laughs> You know, we, we, we have all these metrics that indicate that things are going great, that we're on to something big. And do we pay ourselves now and stay at that same level? No, 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 no. Right? We're, we're, we're doubling, we're tripling in size. That's the goal. So there's a lesson here yep. for the greedy entrepreneur that might have said, hey, I'm going to pocket that 200 grand, buy myself a Tesla. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, spoil my wife. Uh, and then we're going to go on vacation instead of putting it back in the business. Why was it so important that you put it back in the business and what happened to the business because you chose to do that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think when you're testing a, a market for a, a business model that's relying on inventory, right? We are designing and we're manufacturing everything ourselves and our business is hyper-seasonal. So you've got the draft season, that's July and August, and you've got end of season, that's December. So in terms of us discovering what is that ceiling, how hard can we scale, we're limited by how much inventory we buy. So that first year, we knew based on how much we bought, we did almost a million dollars in sales. Rolling that, rolling that net all into inventory was for us basically to say, how far can we push the fantasy football market? So there's two pieces. One is how, how big can fantasy football be for us? And then two, we're not, you know, Dax isn't, you know, getting back into celebrity news and I'm not working on other businesses just for fantasy football, right? What we discovered about trophies in general is much, much bigger than fantasy. So we, we had that, that sort of uh, burning fire, that passion knowing that, hey, we're investing this money back in the business, not just to make double. We're proving fantasy and how big fantasy can scale to fund 10 other categories. So let me ask you about that. How seasonal in terms of revenue is the business right now? And then what are you guys going to do to combat that? 
Yeah. So the first two years, very, very seasonal, right? We're, we're, our, our universe is, is orbiting fantasy football and we launched baseball and we launched basketball. That was a good timing. For right? 20, in, in 2020, <laughs> which, which was the, the worst possible time in, in, in history. Lifetimes. Like, yeah. In five lifetimes. So, you know, we, we get a lot of requests. We've gotten a lot of requests for non-fantasy trophies. But again, we are making our own molds. You know, to, to redo that is a lot of time and energy and money. So positioning our products to be um, flexible to, to handle these types of requests has been a big part of our longer-term strategy. So the second part of your, the first part of your question, we were, we were very much married to that cyclical nature of fantasy football our first couple of years. Now, the, the mitigation of that hyper-seasonality is what we're hyper-focused on. So, so our championship belts, right? This is, this is a fantasy football belt, right? It's in the metal. It's, it's forged with the fantasy football words. We've now developed our fantasy football product to be for anything. So it's the same high-end metal. It's five pounds of, of metal. It's, it's, there's not another belt like it in the market, but we, can, we just finished a, a beer pong champion championship belt. So, you know, being able to, to serve all of these other markets without $10,000 mold fee and three months lead time has, has been front and center for us. So here's what I'm hearing. Tell me if, if I'm hearing it correctly. You guys are looking at trophies for fantasy football and a couple other sports, but more than that, you're saying nothing fun, nothing cool has been done or has happened to trophies in 50 years. But it's not even that. It's like, we want to make these amazing items for any occasion. Like for Father's Day, for example, we have this idea like these belts, these Father's Day belts, where I don't know about everyone else, but my dad is the hardest person to shop for on Father's Day. But you know what he doesn't have? He doesn't have a giant championship belt that says, best dad ever on it. It's going to look super dope. And I think that this is like a, an untapped marketplace where we, we're making championship rings for, for people to give to their fathers or for grooms, uh, grooms to give to their groomsmen on their wedding day. Yeah, that, that was another thing we started to realize. So taking what we did for fantasy and making something that's over the top, makes them this fun, whether that applies to someone that won, top salesperson or any sport or that occasion. Right? How many engraved flasks does someone need? Right? All of my best friends from high school and college that are getting married, that have been married, like I, I'm not keeping these flasks. I'm not keeping these mugs with my names. They're getting thrown away. My wife's throwing them away when we move. <laughs> but if I had a championship ring that had my initials on it that looked cool, that commemorated the event and had something personable on it, that's something I'm keeping forever. Well, and Dax, I walked out to my wedding reception in a wrestling belt. So, oh! so if I got one, for, if I got one for Father's Day, let's just say I'd like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Nice. Oh, that was great. So, yeah, I love it. So, see, so seasonality, you want to balance that out with Father's Day and top salesperson, everything out. But here's what I wanted, I want to understand. Do you guys have to be careful that you don't end up with a thousand SKUs and you're making everything to everyone? So what do you do to have discipline so that you broaden, you know, your reach, but you don't create a bunch of stuff that nobody wants? Oh, you're absolutely spot on there. So I think that's been a big burden on the way things have always been for trophies, right? We, we have a catalog that has tens of thousands of different little pieces and those little gold the, the little pieces dipped in gold shit <laughs> right there's so many different little pieces like that we don't want to get into that business so we've developed sort of this platform where we've got we've got that trophy right this is quintessential to trophy smack and we've seen people say hey did you buy a trophy smack this season right yeah. so our bigger base our metal columns that's another thing we discovered is all the columns from, from anyone in the business, it's all, they're plastic and they're hologram. That's it. When we were first ideating on building our first trophy, we could not find a non-hologram column. Crazy. So our columns are metal. So that's a platform for trophies. Our belts, same thing, right? Over the top, we paid a lot of money for the molds. 
solid metal, how do we scale without bringing on 50 different molds or thousands of different pieces? And that comes into just really leveraging technology that's available today, both from a customer design standpoint and how are we adhering these custom designs so they don't look like chotskis. So they're not stickers, they're not something that looks cheap. And there's technologies that exist today that enable us to do that. So you guys have struck a really good balance where as a consumer, I feel like I'm getting something super custom, but you're able to do it at scale. That's right. That's what we're, that's what we're building right now. And, and Matt, the reason that you guys can do this is partly or largely because of your logistics and supply chain mindset and headspace and experience. No, mostly because of entertainment background. Put <laughs> <laughs> on, standing outside the Ivy with a camera and microphones, what prepared you for this? Is that right? <laughs> Putting in 12-hour shifts at LAX is you're why in, we're successful. You're, you're in the bushes at Ago waiting for something to come out. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, no, in reality, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so, so 2019, when we did almost 2 million in sales, our second year of business, you know, our trophies are, are assembled. These are 28 by 12 by 12 boxes, and we're selling 500 in a single day. This is a lot of space. There's a lot of moving parts. Even though we only have, you know, from our website, it's nice and clean, but customers can mix and match size, color, what's on the plaque. So right out the gates, we had 1,200 SKUs when you think about all the different combinations. So automating that from a warehouse side was really big. And then another really big barrier to entry and a reason why this hasn't been done before is you throw in the engraving side of things. So um, in January, we engraved over 100,000 nameplates. Like that is a lot of moving parts and without a very clean, well thought out plan on the supply chain logistics side, you can't scale that. So you combine that foundation of operations and just you know process and excellence and execution. And then you throw the creativity. I mean, Dax is definitely, you know, we joke about the celebrity background, but Dax is a very creative individual. And he's well, even though I'm the ops background and supply chain background, I'm, I'm, I'm an idea guy and I'm, I'm inherently unorganized. Dax is very unorganized and very diligent. So between the two of us, we've got all those ingredients to, to I think, make something very special. And if you're wondering, I'm the brains of this operation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see a, a smile crack next to you there. There it is. There's a smile. <laughs> right, you know, it, it sometimes in, in a business setting, it helps to have someone with gray hair next to you. So there's... <laughs> makes me look smart joe's actually never seen a football game before oh come on <laughs> right before we got on he's like is, is th these are the guys that do the trophies for the football matches <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're, they're games they're games so how do you, so, goal? <laughs> you you guys you guys are killing it but i have to ask what are the challenges like what what keeps you up at night what are the things that worry you guys are there uh, any let's get the list out hold on we got a five mile long list I think neither one of us ever sleep. We're a little all weekend. I mean, you know, we just launched a, a custom designer tool. So Mr. Customer can upload their own photo. They can make their own designs. Um, the challenges uh, with software translating to hardware. I mean, it's, a, it's an endless list that we're, we're just perpetually fighting through and iterating and improving. I mean, I, I remember after launching Trophy Smack, it was Father's Day. I wish I got a championship belt. I got another mug. But <laughs> it's Father's Day, and my wife asked me, like, hey, what do you want to do for Father's Day? And I said, honestly, like, I want the entire kitchen. I want the kitchen table. I want no one to bother me because I'm going to lay out everything we have to do from uh, uh, current problems and threats and, and future opportunities. So, you know, that, that question is you know, eat, we eat, breathe, and sleep it. Uh, what keeps us up at night, what keeps us going during the day. It's, it's, it's never ending. And, and, you know, ultimately the inspiration is all of those problems are because of why no one's done it and why this is such a big opportunity. So let me, let me make a statement. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. You guys don't sleep. You move super fast. You innovate like crazy. You live and breathe the business. And because you do those things, your growth is happening exponentially faster 
than someone that's working from nine to five, making excuses and moving slowly. Absolutely. Pretty much sums it up. Yeah. There, there's the lesson. I mean, honestly, we, we work with entrepreneurs all the time that they move slow and they fall in love with their ideas and they're not willing to innovate and shit just happens at a fraction of the rate that it is for you. So you look at your growth trajectory and great idea, great timing, all that stuff. I mean, it's an awesome business, but it's not growing by accident. It's growing because you guys are just moving at such a fast rate. That's right. That's so right. It, it's, it's tough because you guys aired so recently, but people know about you. Are people trying to rip you off? Is competition popping up at all? Yeah, we, we've seen um, like our belt, right? Um, this is a belt that we designed. We have it copyrighted. That's another thing is we're, we're doing things the right way, right? We, we have design patterns. We have utility patterns. The way that we redefine how a trophy is made and how it's assembled, uh, that's a patented process that, that we came up with. So protecting all of those things, knowing that, hey, Dax and I, there's an opportunity cost for us going all in on, on trophies. The, he has other opportunities. I have other opportunities. The reason uh, for us to really have that path of, of growth is also understanding if we do, when, when we achieve those things, there will be those threats, thinking ahead of them in the beginning. So we had a, a counterfeit belt on Amazon. Um, and another thing with, with counterfeit products is it's not just a one-off, right? There's, there's a perpetual aspect to our, our pieces. So this is damaging our brand in the long run, right? Someone that wants the engraved nameplates, they're getting these, like, I mean, these things were awful. We, we, we bought one and checked it out. And it was, it was awful. It was an embarrassment that someone thinks that, and, and Amazon makes it, you know, Amazon's a marketplace. So someone sees trophy smack belt and they press buy and it's going, it's coming from someone else. Hey, you know, like it, 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 right. they took over our buy box yeah. for, a, a, a some period of time they took over our buy box so you see all of our branding you see our sponsor like we pay for that sponsored like page the sponsor and product. they got the buy box and took over because they made it a cheaper product and we did not take that very lightly yeah so having those protectionary pieces in place right we're brand registered on amazon it's trade you know trophy smacks trademark so we had it was it was a painful process to see but it's inevitable right? The more success you have and the more visibility you have, it is inevitable. So we had the, the proper pieces in place to, to, to squash. Yeah, push yeah, they're, they're, they're not selling, they're not selling our belts anymore. anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So how did you end up on Shark Tank and why did you go on there? I think that was, you know, I, I think we've been talking about that ever since we started up Trophy Smack. I know that Matt being an entrepreneur his entire life, that's been obviously a lifelong goal for him. And, and it was just something we've always said, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Finally, we got an opportunity. We submitted our uh, information and heard back from them. And it was like, wait, is this real? Like, are we actually going to do this? But it was a year and a half process. This yeah. wasn't that, like, I thought you just called up your high powered Hollywood buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was like a phone call. Put us on this week. <laughs> No, I mean, Shark Tank, like that's, it's no joke over there. They take it very serious. They want to make sure that these companies are really want to be on the show, but also have good products, have a good, you know, basis to start from because right. they're, they're vetting through everything before you even go on the show. They want to make sure that they're not putting the sharks at risk by having a company that is just on there for publicity too. Yeah. So show airs. Uh, what happens to the business those first couple of days afterwards for you guys? Oh man. So we, we were actually, so I, I mentioned that custom designer tool where Mr. Customer can upload a photo, you know, put their own emblem. They can make some, they can make a ring for anything they want. We were iterating that. So, so, you know, we're, we're in California, East coast is airing, uh, you know, a couple hours before us. And we were the last segment on our episode no joke, we were still like iterating and finalizing things five minutes before, like it was during the commercial break before us walking down. We were like, shit, it still shows this, but things are showing that. Go, 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 go. Get exit intent up. Yeah. Get, like I'll pop up like everything. There, there was little, little details as we're going through and walking through it ourselves as we were buying it. 
we on the surface it looks like it's done but there's that little map of like okay if someone does this and then this then it's still not what it's supposed to be so, so every, we, everyone else we've had on this podcast is like we had a big party with our friends and family we were drinking champagne it was greatest night of my life you guys are sitting there trying to code the back end of your website <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we got to that point. Like yeah, we yeah. we rushed home with five minutes before you know the airing, and everyone was showing up. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you, in the office, it was an analytics party. We had Google Analytics up on the big screen. We were watching the users go while we were still working, and live chat. Oh my God, live chat just got bombarded. <laughs> I mean, our customer service was sending us screenshots of of requests that I can't even say on camera. It was out of control. <laughs> Um, and then, and then Dax and I agreed that we weren't going to actually watch the episode until it aired Pacific time. And that was family time the, you know, both of our wives got together and had this whole fun shark tank set up and our families were there now because it's COVID we couldn't do what we really wanted. Right. We wanted friend, we wanted a big party, uh, because of COVID we couldn't do that, but we had most of our respective families and, and we, we had, had all of our branded masks on the, all the families had our trophies. Beautiful. That was dope. Yeah, we had we had trophy smack shark tank champagne. So we we had fun with 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 family during the West Coast airing. As we continually refresh the website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys, uh, <clears throat> two part question. Uh, first, you were accused by one of the sharks of only being there for Cuban. So I'm going to ask: Were you only there for Cuban? And how did the deal go? What can you tell us about the deal if it went down? If it went through? Yeah, I mean, ahead of time, Dax and I, so we were also in quarantine for eight days, right? Right. To, to walking in um, to the set. So we had a lot of time to overthink and kind of kind of go a little insane. Eight days without leaving <laughs> the room. I mean, it was it was next level. So so we mapped out what our strategy was for each shark and how each shark's backgrounds and skill sets and what they have in terms of just their own success, how that would align. So we, we had a well-paved out thought process for kind of all possibilities. Um, but I think, you know, on the surface, we are a fantasy football trophy company. Our products that are on stage are, are fantasy football, big championship belts and rings. I mean, I think it was a very kind of obvious, like, okay, which shark is in that business right now? <laughs> I think it was a good fit. Um, but I, I also think that there are other sharks that could have offered a lot to the company too. Like, let's not throw away, you know, Mr. Wonderful. I think that the guy's brilliant. I think that Mark is just such a good fit for us that like, I think anyone that's going to walk in with some kind of sports, athletic gear, whatever it is, obviously Mark is a good fit. You know what I'm saying? So, and I think with that question, when it got placed, it was like, how do you answer this? Because you don't want Mark to feel bad if we're like, no, but you don't want the other sharks to feel bad if you say yes. So it's kind of like one of those, uh, you don't know what to say, you know? My answer was, no, we are not. So Mark, let's talk about it. <laughs> so what do the next 12 months look like for the business? Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a laundry, I mean, just this weekend, right? I mean, this weekend I'm, I'm writing down everything that we've got on the short-term and long-term and um, the next 12 months, uh, we're launching Trophy Smack Corporate. So we're working with corporations and, and not for, for us, not just a single company, right? We want to work with the, the broader HR tech companies, the, the, the bigger, the bigger uh, associations that are supplying. They're not the manufacturers of the pieces. They're the ones that are supplying them to all the companies. So business to business is a, is a very big path for us. But, but I really think at the end of the day, we aren't a fantasy football trophy company. We're a company that makes awesome over-the-top products that sort of capture that moment of greatness, whether it's winning, whether it's Father's Day, whether it's getting married, whatever it is, getting our products to those people in a very efficient way and, and capturing those moments through physical goods. See, what I want is I want those 12 girls lined up at the bachelorette party in Nashville. And instead of the little thing going across them, I want them holding up one of your belts. See, uh, I like the right. way you think. Okay, okay. I, I'll have more ideas. I'll send them to you as I come up with them. But I just want the championship belt instead of, uh, you know, what, what all the other ones have. I mean, we can put a bachelorette on the, on the belt and she can just hang it over. That's right. Exactly right. I work on that. So 
How, hey, how, how important uh, and how focused are you on customer acquisition? I mean, are you guys obsessing over, you know, where do we find people? How do we get better at ads and SEO? I mean, that's got to be a really important part for you to scale the business, right? Yeah, we, so in terms of the market we're already in and fantasy football, we've got a, in, in three short years, we've got a pretty good stronghold, right? We're ranked number one on the main keywords that are most important to us from an SEO standpoint. We've invested a lot into our creative assets. We've got a great team on the pay-per-click side. So that we're going to continue pushing. Um, you know, we're, we're in our production planning now for the upcoming season. For everything else, for all these other categories, there's a lot of really big categories that we aren't in now. We're in strategy phase, right? We're in discovery. Um, our first step, what we're doing today, really is um, getting the production down, getting the user flow down, making sure that as we open up the floodgates and we start putting a lot of money into the marketing side, which I know we're going to kill, we want to make sure that that mousetrap is perfect. Our products are perfect and someone can buy easily and we can fulfill easily because we don't want to put a bunch of money into advertising while we're still fumbling around and trying to get stuff out the door. So the supply chain, it comes back to that operational excellence piece. I'm shaking the desk. Yeah, There's a point right. chain! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... So really getting the internal processes perfected and then opening the floodgates. What we did well in fantasy is going to just translate to everything else from a marketing standpoint. When you guys look at, you know, and it's been a relatively short journey so far, I'm sure it feels long because the hours you're putting in, but as you look at your journey so far, what are some of the key lessons or, or themes that you think have emerged that the entrepreneurs listening could learn from? I would say that the first one that comes to my mind is, you know, I've got something in my head, you know, rewind two, three years ago where, oh my gosh, if we get this, we've made it, right? If we secure this deal with this company, or once we launch this product this way, that's going to be it. And then boom, it's, we're going to the moon. So I think for me, when we accomplish those things and it doesn't turn out as good as we thought, or it's just a flop or Hey, or it's even just the next or we accomplish you're it. looking for the next thing. You know, hey, we just signed a deal with with NBC Sports, or we just signed a deal with Yahoo. Like that's the first of a thousand steps. So I think it's very easy for an entrepreneur to get discouraged in those moments when you work so hard to accomplish something. When it happens, it's not nothing necessarily changes, it's just more work. That's a very susceptible time to say, okay. It's actually not, it's not worth it. It's actually not going to work, but instead it's, it's appreciating the process and the journey of it. And not there is no finish line. There is no end game. You have to just keep grinding and keep putting in the work and keep iterating. That's probably one of the big takeaways because that's happened hundreds of times to us. <laughs> that's a huge, I mean, uh, by the way, that's worth the price of admission. There is no finish line. Yeah, and we need to frame that and put that on our wall. Every entrepreneur needs to put that on their wall. That's right. Now you can still buy trophies along the way. You can put. <laughs> <laughs> there is no finish line for the business, but we still have a lot of a lot of milestones yeah. where and we buy trophies and we're willing to sell that quote on a championship. Yeah, belt. let's put that on the belt. I, I wish I had met you guys. Joe turned sixty back in December, and and your airing was obviously in January. I would have got him a really cool belt instead of what I did buy him. You want to tell everyone? Yeah, uh, I walked into the office the uh, morning of my birthday and there was a walker, like an old man walker. <laughs> and he had all these products, these old guy products, which I'm not going to mention, you know, diapers and that kind of stuff. And it had black balloons and the balloons had curse words on them like, happy effing 60th birthday old af the old AF. and so i walked and looked at that just cracked up and the walker actually stayed here for a while i never took it home i didn't want to take ownership of it what happened to it's it it's in my garage it's waiting for you <laughs> well you know what? his half birthday is going to be coming up in a couple months so you can get a championship <laughs> i would i would have preferred a big ass belt i oh, know happy 60th joe b i would have preferred that <laughs> oh man, the walker's genius. I feel like that walker could be applicable for fantasy loser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, just how are you? Do you is there any recurring revenue in it? Do you sell like the nameplates for the belts that they can buy? Are there things that you're working on like that? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of the business model. So, you know, trophies, historically, you buy a trophy and that's it. We've developed our trophies. So there's, there's really three residual components of our, of our trophies. The engravings, that's, that's the easy no-brainer, right? Our trophies are 19 years. So the average year of a fantasy football league that purchases from us is four years. So every year, our return customer rates through the roof. I mean, just again, knowing kind of benchmark e-commerce, you know, KPIs and, and what people are used to, our reoccurring purchase rate is, is phenomenal from the engraving standpoint. We also made our trophies where the tops of the trophy and the middle plaque can be changed and swapped out very easily. So, you know, one thing I found is one person that wins one year, the next person in the league that wins the next year, very different. They have very different interests. They have different ideas of what that trophy should represent in their victory. So instead of buying another massive trophy, you're not doing anything. We made it very easy where that current winner can spend 30 bucks and update this really nice high-end league trophy to represent themselves. And then when that trophy passes on, they keep that component. So residual is, is definitely a big part of our business model. I mean, it's almost got to be overwhelming for you guys because, I mean, I could sit here and, and make a list of 50 things that you could focus on. I mean, is that a challenge for you guys? Because I'm thinking like, you know, golf clubs and, you know, trophy rooms and all the corporate awards and, hey, let's give a belt to all the top salespeople at our annual conference. And then there's like every high school football team in the country with their belt for, you know, a big defensive play. I mean, do you guys just sit there and, and your like head's going to explode of all the things you could do? So I have to reel Matt in quite often on this because he'll start going over and I'm like, buddy, we need to focus on what exactly we want to sell because there are so many options out there that I'm like, we could get lost in a gauntlet of just going down different paths. And I'm like, we need to focus on what we need to do right now. Yeah, especially loser products. I mean, it's, it's, it's so fun to ideate <laughs> loser products. You know, the walker, it's going on the wall. I mean, we, we, made, we, we sourced last year an actual toilet seat. So like a high-end toilet seat, fantasy loser, and it's resembling, you know, a public restroom with all fantasy football loser quotes and phrases and shit stains. So that's not good. You know, that's, so that good. type of stuff is a lot of fun, but it's a lot of time and, it, and it's a resource suck. So that sort of unlimited list of things we can make, we, we, we you know, kind of juggle that and, and, and struggle with that all the time. Our focus now is leveraging technology and taking what is selling very well, our main trophy and our championship belt and our championship ring and, and positioning these products where we can custom design them and turn them around fast without mold fees and buying thousands of them and waiting you know, months to receive the inventory. And I got to believe those things, while they aren't the fun, sexy part of the business, that's what's making you guys have such a huge edge on whoever tries to rip you off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's they the can't. Right there. Well, guys, we appreciate your time. Most importantly, where can people buy your products and how can they follow you on social media? Trophysmack.com. Also, we're on Amazon, but Trophysmack.com is the best place we got the most, I would say, all of our products live there. You Everything's really customize everything there. Um, let's see all of our loser products. It's just a, it's been a fun site. Oh, and we've launched all of our custom items on there. So like those belts that we talked about, we have an anything trophy. So if you have a foosball championship, you can come customize your plaque, customize the engraving in full color and make the most amazing trophy you want. Because a lot of people reach out to us, especially after their uh, Shark Tank, and they're like, hey, I have this, you know, cornhole championship, and there's no trophy. No one makes a trophy. And we're like, well, we do. Come and make it. You know, it's like you can make anything you want. Um, same with rings and customize everything there. So head on over to tropesmack.com. Yeah. Well, if I have a pickleball tournament. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a pickleball. we had a domino rally championship. <laughs> I mean, the amount of requests after airing were, were insane. And and that's really the bottleneck. Okay, we can't produce everything for everyone, but opening up this designer tool where the customer can add their own logo, we have a lot of elements to choose from. That's, I think that's a big key in, in us scaling. And then on social, 
at Trophy Smack, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Trophy Smack. Oh, and the one thing that we just launched as well is a bobblehead, a customized yeah. make your own face on a bobblehead. So bobblehead with space, whether it's the champ, whether it's the loser, on our trophy. Yeah, it's really cool. So good. So when we do awards for Growth 10, yep. it's title belts. Yeah, I don't want anything belts. else. I don't Tro care. Trophy Smack is our new number one Growth 10 award and recognition vendor. Yeah, baby. <laughs> By the way, just in closing, I want to tell you, I think you guys have a phenomenal partnership. Uh, you complement each other so well. I would die to have a partner. I know. We just, cool. we, we freaking hate each other. We just argue 24-7. It's pure hell. You guys are awesome. It's fantastic. About 2.30 every afternoon, he falls asleep. <laughs> so I, I got about a six-hour window. And then so it'd be nice to have someone that could match my energy. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Working with you guys would be a lot of fun. This is great. But our last meeting every day is at 3.30 because he eats dinner at 4 o'clock. <laughs> gotta catch, hey, gotta catch that early bird special. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. This was a blast. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. It's awesome. Thank you. All right, we're back. Great interview. Really enjoyed it. What were your key takeaways? There's two things I want to mention. Uh, and, and one is they're, you know, they bootstrapped this thing. They threw a quarter million dollars of money into it. But also, they continued to, I, what I call, feed the baby, uh, put money back into the business. Yep. Uh, all too often, we see, um, especially in the early startup phase, uh, not funded, bootstrapped, we see people wanting to pull money back out of the business too quickly. They were patient enough to... Uh, reinvest uh, profits back in the business to grow the business and grow the infrastructure. And I think that patience and that discipline is really, really important. And what happens if you don't feed a baby? I don't know. They get pissed off. They cry. I, I've only had one child. She ate, kind of, she takes after me. She ate like six times a day. She was born at like 10 pounds. Very healthy baby. Uh, so I don't know if, I, but in business, uh, I know that you could starve out the business, yep. and it's it's not a good thing. I just I just love when I see that long term thinking. That mm -hmm. long term thinking is incredible. So that the great lesson for all of us: feed that baby, put some money back in the business. Don't be in such a hurry. You know, operate with some long term thinking and some vision. Don't be in such a hurry to uh, pull money out of the business. The second thing was there. They appear to be constantly in what I call SWAT mode. Um, analyzing strengths, weaknesses, looking for opportunities, looking for internal and external threats. That kind of that kind of embodies what you and I do. We're constantly in a SWOT mode as well. And I think that you could do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. You you could do one every week, every month and it's not too often. But we see a lot of businesses um, you know drift through a year, get into the six months, seven months of the year and, and start to wonder where they're at and do a SWOT analysis then. I just love when people do it often early in the year and often and it allows them to re-correct, re, uh, re recalibrate, refine, ref, uh, refine some go-to-market strategies and get back on track. So these guys, I think, are constantly having that conversation. Yep. Where are we at? Yep. Talked about seasonality, uh, you know, and they, they said, look, you either manage it or you fight it. And, you know, you can't allow seasonality to cripple you. And it's okay to have a seasonal business. Oh, it's uh, summer. Uh, everything's slow. Let's take the summer off. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so much of what they're doing, and, you know, as, as they said, we never sleep, right? Yeah. They're fast-moving guys. They're, they're, you know, constantly working really hard at this. But, you know, they're figuring out ways to generate revenue throughout the year. And they're expanding. And they've, you know, created a really great process that can certainly be uh, replicated in other verticals. Um, you know, that another thing that I, I wrote down and I underlined was appreciate the process. Yeah. You know, you got to make this stuff fun and yeah. you got to you got to find a way to enjoy it and laugh at yourself and, you know, uh, make it a enjoyable process. And so um, they've done a great job of this. I think their mindset of we're not going to sleep, we're going to work really hard, we're going to reinvest in the business, we're going to appreciate the process. Uh, we don't see there being a finish line like just go, go, yeah. go. I just think that, you know, uh, you know, you think about um, 
entrepreneurs that are winners and that succeed at this entrepreneurial game. And I think that Matt and Dax have a lot of the characteristics that I believe you know, you need to have to do this entrepreneurial thing at a high level. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And talking about the process, uh, it, it, I reflect back on when I was growing the quickest of the organizations that I ran and was part of and, and owned. And when we were growing very, very quickly, we would get absolutely get lost in the process. And being lost in the process means you're knee deep in it and you're looking at every aspect of your business, making it better, faster, more efficient. Uh, more productive, and I think being lost in the process is a good thing. Yep. Great episode. Yeah. So Growth 10, we, we help two types of people with Growth 10. First and foremost, we help entrepreneurs by putting them into these great little groups, these mastermind groups, peer advisory groups. Any entrepreneur that wants to grow faster has to be around like-minded people. Um, I joined my first mastermind. In fact, I started it when I was 20 years old in 1980. That makes me, let's see, let me do the math. I'm 60. So actually, I've been involved in masterminds in one way or another for four decades. You've been involved in organizing and being a part of masterminds for almost two decades. So we help entrepreneurs find great little tribes to be part of. The second way we help people is we look for entrepreneurs that have had wins, that are uh, have exited or near exiting. They want to take their gifts and talents and help some other people. And uh, we teach them how to do it. We have some of the best training, um, and I, I say this unabashedly, I'll put our training and our mentorship and our personal coaching um, for our practice leaders and partners that want to start masterminds. I'll put it up against anyone in the industry. Agreed. We haven't seen anything better out there, and, and we're very proud of you know what we've built um, and, and how we help people create these really incredible groups of entrepreneurs all over the, the world at this point. <laughs> yeah. So if uh, anything we just said is interesting, Tom at Growth10.com, Joe at Growth10.com, uh, we're always here. We love talking to really interesting, talented people that either want to be a part of a great group because they're you know right in the, the you know battlefield of, of building and scaling a business, or people that say you know I'm I'm at a place in my life and and um, experience level where I'd love to. To give back and help people and and be compensated be really well compensated to help other entrepreneurs in a mastermind setting so tom at growth10.com joe at growth10.com will you get me like a really cool belt from these guys yeah, i'm going to <laughs> i've already i've already thought about it i am i want a really cool and, belt. and i'm gonna and i'm gonna give it to you when we have our annual event <laughs> on stage we'll see you uh next tuesday that's when we release our next episode i can't wait all right, we'll see you on an all-new episode of Outside the Tank.